Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Today with Amazon Business, Shannon Stuckey of Walburn Woodworking helped her team buy 63 circular saws. Okay, Andy, take it easy. Now she uses her time to focus on growing something big. Buy smarter, dream bigger. Visit Amazon Business, your partner for smart business buying. You're listening to the most fraudulent F1 podcast with Dan, a.k.a. Engine Mode 11. I secretly moonlight as Helmut Marco at race weekends. And Blake, a.k.a. Break. Echo chambers of farts and idiots on Twitter after races. It's the engine-breaking F1 podcast. Boom. Episode 9. Get it up here. Go on, lad. Get it on, right lad. up there. Yeah. 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 Go on. We've had How some, we doing? Yeah, we're good. We've had some banging guests the last two episodes, and now we're <laughs> going to lower the tone again by having it just me and you. Yeah. I mean, we had um, one of my favorite Formula One content creators, F1 Tony, a.k.a. Tony Cohen Brown. And then last week, uh, the, my brother from another mother, uh, Connor Daly, joined us for an episode after running into him in the paddock again in Austin. I was like, that's great. Um, but you know what? Tonight's going to be a night. You've kicked the lurgy. You're sounding great. You look fresh. You've still got a beard on your face. And I'm looking forward to talking about all the shithousery over the last couple of weeks. It feels like, you know, all the all the stuff in the system that was going to go wrong, it's happened. Fallout. Is Everything massive. is coming up roses for me, yeah. my friend. Yeah, let's go. Um, we also were talking before the podcast, Engine Mode 11 on Twitter, over 70K. Let's Can we get a... Can we get a W? Can we get a W, homies? Big old fat W. I don't know why. Like we but said, wh- like my content is just shite. But I appreciate the supporters of the shite. <laughs> and if you but, listen to this podcast, you're also a supporter of shite. So thank you very much. I appreciate well, that. Well, for anybody that doesn't listen to this podcast, who the fuck are you? Oh, well, my name is Dan. Uh, I live in uh, the Nidge, Stevenage. And uh, for six years, I stole a living off of Red Bull Racing as a senior systems engineer until eventually Love that. they Love found that. out that I was a fraud and I did nothing. 
Um, no, I left because I wanted to spend more time with my kids and that, which is why I have decided to abandon them and come and do a podcast instead. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Get wrecked, kids. No, don't do that. Um, but I mean, that's, it's okay. that's pretty we're, cool. We're recording this on Halloween, and before we uh, recorded this, I went out trick-or-treating. Um, as you can see, I'm in my Red Bull racing kit. I had some £20 notes hanging out my pocket. I went as the uh, cost cap breach. <laughs> I guess we'll get to that, but it's, it seems like they were only like 20 quid over something in the end, wasn't it? Uh, that's going to be interesting. But if anybody's new tuning into the podcast, Dan and I are two complete frauds. Um, I, Dan and I met at Red Bull, but we never actually talked when we were at Red Bull. So I, I, I spent mm. a, a couple of years in the uh, the traveling circus as a trackside performance engineer. And now uh, then I went to work in the simulator as a simulator performance engineer, did some really cool shit, got to see some cool things. Um, and now I'm doing content creation full time, which sounds weird. Um, but there's a video I was, I've, I've just I don't want to sidetrack too much, but there's a video I made about quitting my job at Red Bull because I've achieved everything I wanted to do. And I wanted to try something new. I wanted to do a challenge in my life. I wanted to, uh, you know, I really enjoyed making gaming content and then i realized i'm passionate about formula one and i know some things that i could share about i don't know everything uh, and i'm very open about that that video is blowing up on every social media platform i've had in the past couple of months but it's finally taken off on youtube so uh we just crushed uh 30, subs a week ago on youtube uh then today yesterday 40,000 subs and it looks like 50,000 by the end of the week so there goes all of my uh, first year of content creation and Formula One goals smashed. Nice, easy, GG. So, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm now only making probably 10% of my previous salary, mm. so I'm winning right now. 40, 40 pounds a week. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, it, I just follow Adrian around because it, it costs him more money to lean over and pick up the 20-pound note, and I just kind of go hoover those uh, up. Yeah. And he doesn't. His time's too expensive for that, so... <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, that makes perfect sense. But speaking so, of social media goals, did you know that the podcast, we've got over 5,000 followers on Twitter this week? Wow. Big up, big up, big up, big up. And the podcast Woo. has reached 35,000 listens. Let's go! Crikey. I mean, that's crazy. I mean, what are you guys doing? Like, imagine, imagine how low the bar must be for you guys to want to listen to our podcast. This mm. blows my mind. But... It doesn't on, say on a, all 35,000 listened all the way through. Let's be very clear. Yeah. 34,999 <laughs> of them could be people listening to the first 10 seconds going, fuck this, I'm out. Yeah, let's go. Let's go. Get out of here. Crap podcast. But no, see, on a, on a serious note, um, we don't usually go on about this that much, but anybody that's tuned in, uh, interacted with us on social media or just watched it or shared the podcast with your friends or your nan or your, your grandpa, thank you guys very much because you guys make this fun and if you guys weren't listening to it we'd probably have canceled it by now but we're having a blast and also for anybody listening or watching this on youtube we do record this live on twitch.tv front slash b r r r a k e uh every week so usually mondays or tuesdays will be live so uh check us out we'll post the notifications when we go live but why don't we uh quit screwing everybody over we're six minutes in and we haven't even talked about any shithousery, fraudulence, or drama. Well, we still talking about ourselves, so that's quite fraudulent. Not oh, fair. Okay. But all right, you're, you're Mexico. welcome. Well, before Mexico, how about all the news and drama? Talk to me, bro. Because Talk to me. boy, have we got a lot of it. Well, what about what about news that doesn't have to do with Mexico this year? Uh, well, Mexico got extended until 2025. 
So, I mean, technically that's not this year. No. But like after this race, I've had, I've, I think we've had a couple of really good Mexico Grand Prix that have been entertaining. This one, however, um, at the front of the field was shocking. It was so boring. Yep. But hopefully next season, uh, the performance gap will close because we have had new regulations. Yes, these regs were meant to make the racing closer. But anytime you introduce new sets of regulations, you will have a shakeup. You will have teams spread out. Um, and then hopefully, hopefully by the time we get to the end of 2025, uh, we don't have three-tier racing. Mm, but right here, I was thinking about this earlier. Do we think Mexico is exciting because we go into it expecting about 400 cars to explode? And when it doesn't happen, we all sit there and think, well, this was shite. Nah, or I wasn't do we really think hoping. the racing's actually genuinely good there? We've seen a couple, like, I think everybody was too sensible today. There's a couple people taking a few L's, uh, Gasman and Ricardo, for example, but that, you know, that, that's not particularly malicious. It was just a little bit of bump in. I think the fact that we've effectively got, I was going to say three-tier racing, but we actually have four-tier racing, which I'll clarify uh, shortly, so don't miss out on that. That's a very technical explanation there. Okay, and before we move ahead any further, a quick PSA to say that if you can hear dogs barking in the background, that's mine, because obviously it's Halloween and trick-or-treaters are setting them off. I will try my best to shut them up, but bear with me. So, yeah, moving on. Well, I'm going to have cats in here in a minute anyway. So Your cats don't make any noise. They just really sit cute. there and, and sort of lay on your table. And... and and crash the stream and almost kill the recording? Yeah. Oh, I yeah, that. I did forget about that. Well, they <laughs> Which one was it that opened about 10,000 tabs on your computer? Mm. Sterling, wasn't it? Yeah, he's a little he's a little shit. Yeah. So yes, uh, Mexico extended till twenty twenty five. Great, good. I I don't hate the track and I don't particularly love it either. Um, Fair. I like the stadium section just because I think that's vibes. Yeah, the atmosphere on the podium. Like I watched a video on stream the other day from two thousand and seventeen, and I was probably ten people from the front row at the podium ceremony in the middle of the baseball stadium. It was epic. Uh, Martin Garrix, the DJ set dropped, and the bass was like ripping your chest apart. It was it was heavy. So that was that was very cool. That was very cool. And uh, I, I think once the racing gets the cars get closer in terms of overall performance, I think we could see some better races this year. Um, not particularly exciting as a Grand Prix, unfortunately. No, but qualifying was good, and we'll go into that in a bit. Yeah, but qualifying yeah, was yeah. quite exciting. Uh, second piece of news, which isn't so dramatic, Audi and Sauber have officially announced their link-up for 2026. Now, if you're sitting there scratching your head saying, what, who are Sauber? That's who uh, Alfa Romeo are if you peel off the sponsorship sticker. Um, so, Peter Sauber. Yes, Peter Sauber. Um, Peter, based Peter Clean. in Switzerland, aren't they, I believe? I can't remember. I think it's Switzerland. Yeah. Hinwheel or something? I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. That is 100% correct. Uh, Alfa Romeo also announced that uh, they will end the title sponsorship with Sauber at the end of 2023. But do not fear, because the gap between 23 and 2026, they'll still be running the Ferrari power units, but I'm not sure what they're going to brand themselves as, whether they're just going to continue with Sauber yet. Um, in that yeah, that's, gap. A, that's an interesting one, because can, yeah, that's like, do they bring on Audi as a technology partner in the short term or what? I don't know. I don't know how happy Ferrari would be to be on a car that's got Audi stamped on the side of it, let's be honest. I don't know how happy Audi would be to have their stamp on the side of a car running those engines. 
yeah very true um so yeah uh that will audi will start producing the power unit at one of their german factories in 2026 it's a works sponsorship slash technical partnership with Sauber. now i know there were some rumors around that audi were looking to buy into a team earlier in the yep. year but i've not seen any mention if they've actually bought into Sauber as Ooh. part of this that's um, super interesting because mm. like porsche porsche wanted a big chunk of the red bull deal and that's where that thing fell through so may our yeah, yeah. that's a very I, I think we're um watch this space for any developments on what's actually happened with that but yeah salver are uh or have been in the past fairly recently struggling a little bit with the older money so perhaps maybe mm. there may have been some um buyout or not buyout but investment from audi but this isn't the first time audi and salver have worked together did you know that blake Ooh, no i actually didn't know that they have worked together between the years of 2006 and 2014 because audi when they were running their lmp1 diesels at uh world endurance were using the salver wind tunnel Ooh, okay so i remember that guy's underlying relationship there already i saw one of those audis uh in austin at the uh what is it the masters endurance race so it's a bunch of old WEC cars mm. uh there was one of the old open top audis it was gorgeous you know the silver red uh, shell yes the r8 uh, yeah r r8 i kept saying r18 the other day but it's an r8 tdi yeah they the sound car makes wild don't they it, it makes no noise man yeah. i saw the car at the petite Le Mans, and the car is going around the, at the back into the track there's a double right-hander you hear the tires on the tarmac. You do not hear the engine. Then you hear like a, a Maserati or a Corvette or a Panos just rip by and the V8s ripping your guts apart. But then you see here this, you're like, what was that? Uh, that was probably McNish. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes. Um, before I got into F1, I would I went to Le Mans a few times and I, I saw them there. And that was uh, an interesting experience. Like you say, the Can sound was very different. Can I put myself on Fraud Watch this week? Yeah, 100%. Why? What have you done? I've never been to Lamar. Oh, I don't think that's Fraud Watch as such. I think a lot of people Dude, haven't actually been. But I've, I'm, I'm a motorsport enthusiast. <laughs> uh, and I've been in the UK for almost 12 years. And I've never made the journey to Lamar. But to be fair, my first seven years, I was flat out with first year in Formula student when I was in uni. And then six years, I was traveling f full time to all the races. So I was like, the fuck am I going to go to? Uh, Lamar, yeah, for a weekend. I've spent twenty plus weekends away. Yes, yeah, I can understand if you're working in F1, then um, perhaps maybe spending your time off going to another race isn't quite the uh, ideal holiday. But next year is the uh, 100th anniversary, so I'm going to try to get, get along to that. And if Ooh, you want to we... uh, come and share oh. a tent with me, then uh... oh yeah, dude, I've got lethal farts though. Have you? Are you big spoon or little spoon? Middle spoon. Middle spoon, okay. There's going to be a third wheel we don't know about yet. Okay, cool. Sarah said she's not coming, so I'm not sure who it is. It's going to be someone from the pod. We'll, we'll let near a competition. If you want to get hey. sandwiched by me and Blake, then hell, enter the competition. Let's go. That's disgusting. What, like, happens, uh, what happens in France stays in France. Like, But like, to be fair, though, just as a, a little bit of a, a thing that we could manifest now, uh, I really feel like some content in Le Mans next year could be fucking golden, man. Do the road trip, do a mm. vlog, hang out, meet up with some people. Um, somebody in the live stream said that the third wheel is Helmet Marco. Yeah, okay. Sure. 
he's got to pay me a lot of fucking money. He's got some spare, I think, by the sounds of it. But <sighs> anyway, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let's let's get back on track. Yeah. Let's, what, what do we got? But like seriously though, uh, manifest that chat. Uh, engine breaking fraudcast at Lamar 2023. Yep. I'll be in the background, drunk, rolling around on the floor while Blake tries to do a serious content creation. No, I'm gonna. We're gonna get cancelled, bro. Sweet, sweet as a nut. Uh, so yeah, sorry. That was Audi and Salvo, which turned into a Helmet Marco sandwich. I'm not sure how we got there, but definitely leaving that one wow. on the podcast. Um, yeah, definitely don't edit that. Don't uh, ration the passion, baby. No. Uh, Red Bull decided to boycott Sky Sports, which I thought was hilarious. So, I. Christ, I saw this blowing up all over social media and I really fucking struggled to understand what was going on here. So I'm going to try and break it down what's happened. Break it down? Oh, yeah, I see what you did there. Very good, very good. Um, Right. So Ted Kravitz, in his post-US Grand Prix uh, notebook, so if you don't know who this is, it's um, Ted Kravitz works for Sky Sports. And in the UK, uh, they do like, um, I think it's like a 30-minute segment post-race where he walks down the uh, the paddock and just sort of gives you a rundown of what happened and whatnot through each team. So The notebook starring Ted Kravitz. Yeah. Which, or Ted's notebook. <laughs> the savage rumor, or, or what I was hold, uh, told, was that he doesn't actually write the notes in that notebook. But I've, I've seen people come back at me on Twitter say, giving me evidence to the contrary so i'm not sure well that's a sick rumor that i'll start i've seen him in the paddock writing in that notebook okay but maybe maybe it's one of those things he has a, a ghost writer where they mm. write the notes and he just traces over it possibly yeah um so yes during this this segment he did uh post us grand prix he said something about how max's title uh or no sorry how the title was stolen from lewis hamilton in Abu Dhabi and Something about Lewis is an eight-time world champion, right? So first and foremost, any sensible person, I don't care if you're a Max fan or not, if you're probably going to turn around and say, you know what, Abu Dhabi 2021 was a bit of a shit show. I'll grant it, I'll give you that. A little bit of one, it was a yeah, huge shit exactly. show. So, but then no, Christian sort of, just apparently then we heard that all Sky Sports media were getting boycotted. Um, there was no comments from any of the drivers or Not Christian. just UK Sky Sports, no. It was... All of them. Correct. So Sky Sports also have Sky Italy and Sky Germany. Yeah. They also got See. boycotted but didn't understand why, which I think is hilarious. Yeah. They even tweeted the team, I think, basically saying, what's going on? Why have we been included in this? Entschuldigung. Entschuldigung. Mm. Achtung. Schnell. Um, and then, yeah, so sorry, Christian said there were some derogatory comments made, so we took a break from Sky for this race. Max was upset. We were upset. And we made the decision to stand together as a team. Some of the commentaries are fair, but some pieces are sensationalist. And saying we robbed anyone of the championship, as was said in Austin, is going too far. It is not impartial or fair or balanced. We have said our piece and we will go back to normal next race. Can I, right, here we go. Load it up. Here's Dan's hot take. Go on. I couldn't give a flying fuck about this. This is so fucking playground and petty. I don't give a shit. Sky yeah. mid, so who gives a fuck? <laughs> right sky are just the waitrose version of wtf1 oh, right oh i see what you've done there oh it, maddie's gonna love you for this this or is yeah ah uh, just i don't I really don't give a fuck like uh, who fucking cares if ted says that 
and saying that it's not impartial. Find me a fucking commentator, yeah. commentator or sports media, whatever, that is impartial. There isn't one. Even us, like when we talk, we say we're except Red Bull. We've, we've probably got some rose-tinted goggles on. Absolutely. I don't know. It just seems fucking drama for it, drama's sake. It's childish. But I think, I think one of the things that Max touched on, and I, I don't know where I stand on this, because I'm with you. Actually, I could probably not give a fuck. Like, I really couldn't. But there's a lot of shit fighting, and people are just like, it's just like the Twitter is a cesspit. It's terrible. It's disgusting. You need a hazmat suit to even fucking open your web browser in the morning. But implying that Red Bull have, you know, deliberately cheated, that they stole the championship and all this other stuff. Do not, like, I don't understand why people are fans. And in this instance, I think Ted is a super fan and he loves Lewis and, but that's fine. I, I don't mind any of that. It's just the fact that it's it's like saying that you guys fuck this, you guys cheat. It's like you need to, everybody that's upset needs to direct their distrust and their disinterest towards the FIA, not the team. Yeah, yeah. Okay, if you turn turn it around, flip this, flip, if flip the roles, right? If that had happened in the opposite way, people would be mad at the other team, but still. Still, the problem is the FIA and the officiating and the lack of clarity and the inconsistency. That is the problem. But I will say, if you're one of those sad fucks that's going on Ted Kravitz's Instagram and leaving him hate messages and abusing him, you're a loser. That's there's no room for that. Like yeah. guys, like if you don't agree with somebody, do not do not go at them. Like yeah. there's, there's, so be it. There's banter, right? Which is what we have. And then there's just time. there's just hate. And, yeah, and it's just, ugh. yeah. Now, what's the point of hate? Yeah, you, you give, it, you're getting too worked up over a sport that doesn't give a fuck about you. Yeah, uh, just ask the drivers how they feel about you. Hey, tell them your name first and say, "Hey, do you know me?" And they're like, "Never fucking heard of you, mate." No, nope. like I don't. Daniel don't Ricciardo care you... didn't even remember you, did he? Well, fucking bastard, man. <laughs> That was classic, Dan. And if anybody's wondering what that video was, uh, I did a little uh, promo with F one twenty two, the game, and uh, Danny Rick challenge, and he challenged me to uh, beat his hot lap. I couldn't, and I had to go anyway. So that's why I packed my bag because I knew I was mid. But uh, he he blasted me. He pretended he didn't remember me, but then described everything about me. Dork. But anyway, let's 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 bury that because I'm not too interested in that. And like. You know, if some if a commentator says some shit about you, that's fine. Um, if they're making if, if if they're lying, that's a problem. And if they're entertaining, yeah, you know, like 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 you know, like defamatory false narratives, that's one thing. And I don't think they're doing that. I, I think no, you can interpret what Ted it's... said several ways. And it's just like if you're annoyed about it, so be it. And you have the the right to cut them off if you want to. But yeah, it's uh, a very British loving. At Sky Sports, and I think all they're doing is just sort of, of, you know, putting their flag on the mast and saying, you know, we are what they call it, Brit Fosy. I don't know. Either way, <laughs> whatever, fine. <laughs> Sky's shit well. anyway. So if you don't like it, yeah. I strongly suggest you uh, don't subscribe to them anymore. You get a VPN and uh, get F1 TV Pro because it's far superior. F1 TV is fucking sick. And we get to enjoy Sky Sports for like another, what, 
seven years or whatever it is. Now they got the new exclusivity deal. Anyway, sorry, I went off on a rant there. Basically, there we go. fuck Sky, Passion. big up F1 TV. It's all a bit mountain out of a molehill and a bit dramatic, so whatever. But it's okay because he's Christian said in Brazil we're going back to normal, so it's just for this race. Good. Good. Um, now I've got that rant out of the way. Are we ready for another one? Well, I don't know necessarily it's going to be a rant. Nah, this, this is this, this is, is the just... big one, and it's so big I've had to put it on a separate separate notes page. Wow. Right. It's the cost cap saga. Let's just rip through it. Like I I feel like I feel like everybody knows about it. What's what's the headlines of this one and like what's your take on it? Because I think that's what people want to know. So on the Wednesday, the twenty sixth, so the Wednesday of uh Mexico, um the FIA and RBR came to an agreed breach agreement, which I think we sort of had we sort of knew that was coming. Um, and we're going to break it down. So here we go. Red Bull Racing's submitted costs for 2021 were 114,293,000. Now, the cap was 118,000, uh, 118,036,000, whatever. So, so they were basically so they were under. effectively four grand or 400. Four, four mil four under, mil, essentially. Yeah, if right? not, they were four mil under. Yeah. But then the cost cap administration, um, issued them a procedural breach because there was some inaccurate documentation and and basically Red Bull have inaccurately excluded or adjusted some costs amounted to 5.6 million. So these costs uh, include, they overstated excluded costs concerning catering services, which is one of the rumours that was going around, wasn't it? Um, costs concerning uh, employer social security contributions now, for our US listeners, I'm not really sure what that would translate to. Um, Social Security would be like, yeah. Is it the same? In, yeah, same, like, yeah, like, okay. a, a, like tax. Yeah, like a tax off your pay. Um, costs pursuant to non-F1 activities. Uh, costs in respect to bonuses uh, for the employers. Uh, understatement of relevant costs in respect of a gain on disposal of fixed assets by failing to make the necessary upwards adjustment. I don't know what that means. I don't give a shit either. If you know what that means, big up yourself. Uh, costs pursuant to apprenticeship levies. So in the UK, if you take on apprenticeships, you get like um like a tax break or something like that. Yeah. So I think that's related to that. Uh, this one was interesting. I thought understatement of relevant costs concerning the cost of use of power units. Um. But then the next point, they say clerical error in respect of Red Bull Racing's calculation of certain costs recharged to it by Red Bull powertrains. So basically, they expense something wrong, and then they receive the bill for it for the wrong things or something like yeah. that. It looks like there's a lot of clerical errors in this, and there's a big one I'll get to in a minute. Um, and the other ones were certain travel costs and costs of maintenance. And what they mean by that is uh, maintenance around the Milton Keynes campus, you know, like uh, cleaning facilities. Did they ever fix like that, that one toilet upstairs? The one that always blocked? Yeah. No. It's been blocked for like four years. You know the one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Everyone knows it. Um, so once <laughs> so once they added those that 5.6 million of costs that they'd incorrectly done to their original 114 million, uh, it turns out they were 1.6 over that 118 million by 
sorry, 100, 1.8 1.8 million, million. which is 1.6% of the cost cap. I'm sorry, guys, if this is really, you're struggling to keep up, but this is how bad it is. It's, it's a nightmare. But then this is the fun bit, right? So there were 1.8 million over, but the FIA actually turned around and said to Red Bull Racing, if you actually correctly applied a notational tax credit within that submission, you would have only have been over by 432,000, which is 0.37%. So hilariously, the FIA did not only just say to them, actually, you've calculated this wrong and you've gone over. They also turned around and said, actually, you could have been a lot lot more under if you if you calculated this tax rebate correctly, which I thought was hilarious. Uh, so in the end, it turns out they have a minor overspend breach of that £432,652. Now, the punishment for the Which incorrect... Is, just to put that in perspective, people are like, it's, they're going to be £7 million over. <laughs> they're, they're like less than half a million over, which is still over. So, there's a punishment for it. Yes, so for the incorrect uh, um, documentation in regards to the costs, yada, yada, that's the $7 million fine, which this is, again, this is hilarious. I like how they've done all these figures in pounds, but the fine's in dollars. Uh, $7 million, they've got to pay that to the FIA within 30 days. That doesn't come out of any cost cap, future, past, present, which I thought was a, another amusing little... Uh, Is it gone into Minicali's pocket? Well, and I understand I'm... this. When you have to pay a monetary fine to the FIA, it goes to their FIA uh, road safety charity thing they do. Um, so that's, that's like where they buy bottles of wine after the races on the yachts. Probably, And invite the yeah. team principals. Yeah. Basically, they're the ones that are going to be buying the really posh sandwiches now. Yeah, fuckers. Um, but because of that £432,000 being over, that goes into a minor sporting penalty, which is a f- the 10% reduction of aero testing for 12 months from the date of the a- uh, agreed breach agreement. So that's now, basically, from a year from that Wednesday. Now, aero testing includes, obviously, the wind tunnel, but it also includes CFD testing, which I think a lot of people were overlooking. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's equivalence, basically. You get so many aero testing units, and depending on how you apportion your wind tunnel and CFD time, there's a sliding scale of which you can do that. So, Yep. And they also have to pay all the costs associated with the ABA, which when you have a $7 million fine, I don't really think they're going to notice that part as such. No. So, yeah, I reached out to a few people in different teams as well, because... When you've worked in F1, you do know people in places that have done aero or work with aero. And I said, like, what 10% reduction in aero and CFD? Like, how bad is that? And it was kind of split down the middle. So some people say it's not really the end of the world, while others have said they're going to drop out the top three. So it's, 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 they don't, no one really knows what this is going to, what effect this is going to have. So yeah. I await with bated breath. Me personally, I think this punishment is fine. It makes sense. Look, if they're a pound over, they're a pound over. It is what it is. Yep. Right. Take it on the chin. Um, but I run, uh, I ran a public opinion poll on Twitter, right? Which granted, Ooh. I know I've got a lot of uh, heavy Red Bull bias in my Twitter following. So some stands. You know, let's just say that outright. What's so, Stan's last name, by the way? Smith, Stan Smith. Um, so yeah, with that bias in mind, uh, we got sixteen and a half thousand votes. 
12.7% said it's harsh, 45% said it's about right, and 42.3% said it's too lenient. So it, again, even Twitter, Twitter's a bit split down the middle that it's about right or it's a bit too lenient. Of those one of those 16,500 people, um, how many of those do you think were qualified to make an assessment on that, understanding the significant impact of um, uh, equivalent aerodynamic development hours and so on? Um, exactly the same percent of people that are on this podcast now that qualified to make that sort of judgment and that's zero percent correct correct i don't know you don't know nobody fucking knows no well and we'll see and the other thing to keep in mind as well is it's it's not nothing nothing to do with the penalty but the new rules regarding wind tunnel and aero development um there's a sliding scale so if you finish first you get less time than whoever finishes second and third and if you finish down in like seventh and eighth you get more than the baseline so you get a lot more so there's a going to be a big difference between uh red bull and whoever finishes second in the championship this year because red bull are getting 10 percent less than that so um but the, I... the thing the thing to take note of though is the fia stated the the red bull appeared to have done all this stuff correctly they've been transparent they haven't hidden anything and red bull thought they were under and it bothers it bothers me it's like why was why was there not clarification sooner you know like as in the whole process has taken far too long yeah and i think the fia are partially to blame with some of the chaos they've caused by just saying rebel are over the breach or committed a breach see even my dogs are angry about it fucking Little shit bags. FIA. Um, but they, they basically threw it out there into the world and, and then just disappeared it. for like three weeks. Yeah. yeah. Which is, which is, ba- they've done themselves no favors because at the end of the day, uh, the Red Bull will get penalized and they have been. Everything's happened, but all they did was just literally, they're like, man, the season's really fucking boring. Why don't we talk with Netflix and kick off a stink bomb and drum up some interest in yeah. a championship let's, that's fucking... Let's forget to carry carry the one on a few calculations. Let's not claim back the tax correctly and uh, give people something to get their teeth on, stuck like... into. <laughs> yeah, I, me personally, um, it all seems fine to me. So... Um, I think that it will not hinder them too much. Uh, and then also, well, another thing to say is the 2023 car, most of that's going to be done already. So for the start of 2023, it's not going to really affect them. It's it's going to be more sort of that in-season development as they go along. Yeah. So we might not see so many upgrades towards the end of the year. And we might see... Um, a questionable start for the 2024 car. They have to prioritize what they want to do. 2023 yeah. in-season upgrades or 2024 car. So, yes. yeah, we'll see. But in the ideal world, what I hope as a fan happens is that it brings them all closer together and uh, we actually get a proper ding-dong fight because uh, I'm, I'm just going to whisper it. Even though I'm a massive Red Bull fan, this season's been a bit boring, really, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, there's been drama, but not really the right kind. And, and it makes me look back and actually miss last season. I know everybody got super toxic because fans can't deal with the fact that drivers uh, make mistakes sometimes or they crash or their driver doesn't get along with their other driver. So, um, you know, just a lot of really mature people that uh, understand sport and can appreciate all that goes into it. Yeah, we don't, 
We orcs. don't want uh, we don't want peace. We want problems. Yeah, I want that. I want competition. Yep, bring it on. Uh, so yeah, that, that's I think that's it really for major news points. Nice. Should we get into the weekend then? We should. Got the Mexican yeah. Grand Prix. Uh, fortunately, um, FP1 and FP2 were kind of shit sessions, so they would not really. Not- but just for you, I've still taken some notes. So Ooh, I love that. Because, I've, just, I've just got those now. Yeah, because I was bored on my um, uh, work today, I decided to rewatch uh, FP1, FP2, FP3 qualifying and the race. So I smashed Flat that out, out today, in one day. Yep. So thank you very much for my company that paid for me to do that. Cheers, lads. Yep. FP1, right. I noticed when Vettel was in the box in his Aston Mine, his steering wheel had a track map on it. I've never seen that before. I haven't seen that in a while. Not since they got the PCU8 dashes, you know, the, with the big square screen mm. on the steering wheel. Yeah, it was on usually, that. Yeah, usually the... Ah, a digital map. Yes. Yeah, I've seen... Uh, teams have been doing that. Ah, yeah. I didn't know if that was a thing. Is it? Is it just a map or is it a driver tracker? No, it's just a map. It's just okay. just a, re- a reference. They put it in a display position on the steering wheel. Yeah. And if they're stationary and the car is plugged in, it'll yes. throw yeah, it was on uh, the, a map up. It was on the umbilical cord. So, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Didn't know that. So, there you go. I'm glad I asked that. Uh, FP1, we had a few uh, newbies or whatever you want to call them, young drivers. Uh, Logan Sargent in the Williams. Uh, this is the funny thing about this, right? So, if you do 100 kilometers in an FP1, you get a super license point, right? Yeah. Logan Sargent really needs some super license points. Yeah, he does. So he can get in that Willys next year, right? Yeah. So you need 100 kilometers to get that super license points. How many did he do in FP1, Blake? Like just over 99. Uh, 96 kilometers. He needed one more lap. Pretty much, yeah. So he missed out on that super license point. Well done, him. Uh, Liam Lawson was in the Alpha Towery, but that didn't really go to plan because he had to pull over with a PU issue and then his brakes rather spectacularly caught fire in the stadium Ooh. section. Uh, Nick DeVries uh, was in the Mercedes, but then he Nick became... DeVries yeah, DeVries? Nick DeVries. He became Nick Where? DeVries. Um, Pirelli's is scared of DeVries. Yes. Uh, Jack Doohan was in the Alpine. Um, he had to stop early due to a PU issue. Uh, a sign of things to come, I think, for that team. Um, Fittipaldi was in the Haas. Yeah, foreshadowing. Uh, Fittipaldi was in the Haas. Then he had to stop, caused a red flag because he had to stop, um, I think, at the end of the straight because a bit of smoke started coming out for the engine. Uh, That would turn into a ice change, which means Magnussen would have to take a penalty for the race. And Gwen Yuzhou uh, basically got stuck because his gearbox refused to change gear. And that was Classic. pretty much pretty much all we had in FP1. But we had quite a lot of reliability concerns in there, which is something that we get at Mexico. Yeah. Tell them about the air mo- don't tell them about the air molecules. They're sick of Ted talking about the air molecules. Oh yeah. Basically, you're at higher uh, I'm gonna explain it in my way. Deal with it. Come on. You're at a higher altitude. The air's less dense. Yeah. So you can run a fat load of wing on your car, but because the air is less dense, there's less drag. Because of that, it also means it's more inefficient at cooling. Yep. So there's more concerns over brakes, uh, PU, and things like uh, that. Anyway. And another another thing that tends to happen is because there's fewer air molecules, the turbos need to spin faster uh, to get all the air in the engine. Because the, in an altitude with a turbo engine, you do not lose as much power, or you probably very lose very little power. 
unless your turbo can't spin fast enough because of its sizing. And uh, that's a little bit of foreshadowing for Ferrari. Well, yes, in this in this instance, but in the past, the reason why Red Bull always used to do so well is because the uh, PU Honda PU had a larger turbo, a big old blower than the Mercedes, <laughs> so it could cope better with higher altitude. Like this. <sighs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that. Wow, that was beautiful. I've got- I've got to kick the cat out. He's in like super lover mode. Give me 30 seconds. Okay. I'm just going to bang on with FP2 while he throws his cat out. So free practice two was another one of the Pirelli extended tire sessions, uh, which is a bit boring because they're not allowed to make setup changes or practice starts. They have to stick to a baseline. So FP2, it was 90 minutes. It was a bit dull. Not a lot really happened. But Charles did have his rather large shunt in FP2, didn't he, Blake? Oh, yeah, he smashed it up, ripped the back off that thing almost, didn't he? He did. Um, a big old shunt for him. Uh, no penalty or anything because um, everything was salvageable, I believe. And Gwen Yuzhou, after breaking down in FP1, decided to break down again in FP2. No, dude. With a hydraulic He's so issue. unlucky, man. I really like him, and he's so damn unlucky. And yeah. he's extremely fashionable as well. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he's got drip, man. Yeah. Hella drip. Hella drip. Uh, I, I, I will say, though, I really hate how the FIA have let the teams get involved with the tire testing. They're like, oh, we can't afford testing because this and that. And it's like, well, then they're like, right, well, then we'll just probably like, well, we need to test for next year because we're going to go to lower blanket temperatures. And they don't allow any time in the season for testing. And the team's like, oh, it's going to cost engines and all this other stuff. It's like, just fucking make up a rule. But like tire testing in FP2 is bullshit. It's so bullshit. Yes. And so useless. It it's a waste of time. It's terrible to, to watch. It's not fun. And I fucking hate it. It screams to me of, oh my God, we forgot we have to make a new compound next year. Can we do a tire test? 100%. Like, like, and I wouldn't all, be surprised with Pirelli if that wasn't far from the truth. All they need to do is fork out the fucking cash and buy a mule car from someone next year. And they're not going to do it because they're... I'm not they say used it. to have one, didn't they? Yeah, they, 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 the they, they did. Wait, yeah, they did back in the day. But they need to fucking fork out the cash and buy a test car because how else are they going to develop tires? Because teams aren't going to agree to do anything that's going to cost them cost cap. So unless the FIA figures this out, we've got the next few years. Next year, lower blankets. The year after, no blankets. They need some testing. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. That was that. Uh, FP three. Uh, there wasn't really much to say about it, really. Um, the only thing that I noted down was Mercedes uh, did like a one-two towards the end, and they, they looked quite significantly quicker than uh, other people. So, was that just a glory run? Do you think? Yeah, they were showboating because in qualifying, nobody approached those times until Q two. So you think they turned it up a little bit or underfueled it? Or- yeah, or something. And maybe there's a good reason for doing that. So I don't think it was all engine because that's a lot of a lot, a lot of power to turn up. Um, I think they probably they might have run lower fuel because often things that happen, you don't see people doing it too often in FP3. They usually leave a bit of fuel in the car. It's probably somewhere between 20 and 40 kilos of fuel in P3 for a low fuel run. But what they could have done is said, usually when we take the fuel out, we have different balance problems. And they're like, right, let's set up the car for qualifying. So let's see what the car is like on fumes. Fuel it for two laps. 
and to get to get that to make the most out of it because the fact that nobody got even remotely close to those lap times until q2 yeah well so the possibility that they did that for some balance issues or to investigate some balance during qualifying leads us nicely into qualifying and the That's mercedes the next session mercedes were looking awfully quick in qualifying absolutely yeah and they i mean like yeah what do we I mean, like in q1 uh oh man that was emotional i mean we i we fed on with his disappointed q1 radio message oh yeah we got the message again didn't we i'm sad but yeah. but he he did the same lap time identical to mick in the house yes he did but i believe the way it works is because mick did it first he technically is the position above seb correct but it doesn't matter because they were both out in q1 anyway yeah. so somebody popped a lap in like late in that run and uh dunked them all yeah uh hamilton was fastest in q1 i believe um yep. so a bit of hopium there for the merc fans i know there's some of you listening and you are going through it this year um max did an extra outlap i noted down here was you aware of this they've been doing that a couple times um it looks like we got another instance of it again in q1 so they do a outlap slow lap push lap or they might have aborted i didn't know if he had a fast sector one or not so they, they do that sometimes where they uh they do an outlap and then a push lap, and it has something to do with. I'm I'm assuming the tires. I guarantee it's the tires, but mm, yeah. Um. So yeah, out of Q1, we lost Latifi, Albon, Stroll, Vettel, Mick. Uh, it's kind of the usual crowd, really, isn't it? I don't think anyone's that surprised with that bunch. No. Uh, Q2 again. I've pff, nothing really happened in Q2 apart from Hamilton was fastest again. Hmm. Um. At this point, I was starting to think. Mm, Maybe, maybe we've got a we've got a DefCon four on the beard, and if anybody's listening to the podcast for the first time, you haven't heard it before. If Mercedes win a race this year, Dan is shaving his beard off after uh, he plays Father Christmas in December. Yep. So the beard was starting to twinge a little bit at Q two. Did you talk to it at all? The beard? Okay. No, it's I just okay. I just stroked it a little bit. Yeah, uh, fine. Blasted it with nicotine and uh, coffee. Hell yeah. <laughs> It's what all content creators are uh, running on. I'm just running on sadness. <laughs> I don't have any sad music available to play for that, I'm afraid. But yeah. Oh, I'll have to get some on the soundboard. Okay. Uh, Q3. Hamilton lost his first time due to track limits. Uh, so his second run basically had to be a good one. Otherwise, he was in trouble because he didn't have a banker lap. And, and it was faster than the track limit one as well. Um, but it looked close between Mercedes and Max. Um, both the Mercedes were trading purple sectors with Max, yep. uh, but then Max just dunked like 0.3 of a second on them, which I thought was hilarious yeah. after all that. So looking at it, I think he probably didn't get his sectors all together, and then in Q3 final run, he finally smashed it in. Uh, George, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, George and Lewis did have a little bit of time. They didn't put their perfect sectors together on that final lap, but I mean... There's still a couple tenths off, man. Not not too shabby. It's the closest we've seen them since Hungary, where Russell was on pole. Yeah, and that's that still seems wild to me that even back as far as Hungary, Mercedes managed to get a pole this year. Because let's let's not beat around the bush. The W13 has been a bit of a shit bag this year. But this is what happens yeah. when you call your car or reference the number 13 in your car. 
because there's, there's... The RB, RB13 was dog shit. Yep. I was about to say, let's go back to the happy memories of the RB13. Uh, dude, the, the tagline for that was unlucky for some. It's like, yeah, for yeah, us, us. This is a shitload of DNFs. Oh, my God. Oh, fun times. Fun times. Yeah. Um, but um, speculate real quick. I, I will speculate why Mercedes are so quick. So the the trend this, so far this season, let's let's take from Hungary forwards because earlier in the season there were a lot of other issues. It seems like they've sorted a bunch of those issues uh, with sea mammals. The, the W13 tends to go well at high drag, low efficiency circuits. So when you tend to put more wing on and the car is, you know, you could like, especially tracks like Hungary, we just put a big, nearly Monaco spec rear wing on it, the biggest thing you can. Um, this one as well, it doesn't matter that the top speeds are high, it matters in terms of the efficiency where they're at. And so that seems like a factor. So Brazil's next, it's another high altitude circuit, but it's not the lowest, or it's not the high, 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 high downforce track. So I expect them to go reasonably well, uh, but I- Do you expect I, them I, to be as close? I don't think so. I don't okay. think as close, but but at the same time, um, I think we should talk about the race because there's a lot of implications on compromises of the cars qualifying versus race. Hell yeah, let's get on to the race because we're <sighs> 45 minutes into the podcast and we're not even talked about the race yet. Uh, the race is kind of the race just kind of flows, man. Should I kick this one off? Hit it. Go for it. Hit it. Pre-race. Uh, we got the grid. Everything sorted. Uh, qualifying was exciting, actually. I was excited about qualifying, and it it finished yeah, with a bang. I think it was just good. Snapping on pole. I was not expecting that, honestly, especially after seeing... I think I got a little bit blinded by the showboating in P3, but then as soon as like, I was like, wait, they're not doing those lap times yet. I was like, okay, a little showboating. But the pre-race... Uh, Stroll had earned himself a three-place grid penalty after he launched uh, Alonso into lower orbit in Texas, and Magnuson changed some power unit components, uh, so he had a five-place drop for the race. Then we got to the race start. The the black the the bags we call them, the the blankets come off of the the black and round things. Uh, what do we notice? Red Bull soft. Yeah, we got some Mercedes split strategies. Well, not split strategies, but different sort of strategies throughout the teams at the start. And this is where my excitement first started building. Because I thought, oh, here we go. This is going to be a good one. Go on, lad. Go on, lad. So, yeah, we had the Red Bulls on softs and the Mercs on mediums. Medium. Mediums. I didn't even fucking pay attention to what Ferrari were on because I think we were already <laughs> no, quite early on. This was going to be painful for them. <laughs> they're in the. They, they, Ferrari are where Mercedes have been most of the season in no man's land. Yeah, so they could have been on wets for all I know. I didn't really pay a huge amount of attention. Oh, but someone just mentioned this in the chat. Before we had uh, the race start, we had the Mexican F1 theme music. Did oh, you hear the that? mariachi theme. It was so good. Oh, it was spectacular. If you yeah. haven't heard it, look it, look it up. Because uh, Big fan. That, was, that was magnificent. Yeah, I did so, enjoy that. We So, I mean, we're... Just before we've even left the grid, as soon as the, the covers come off, we're like, oh, okay. Uh, we get to the race start. Everybody's got a reasonable-ish start. Uh, Hamilton gains a spot, and and I'm really disappointed in George Russell. Yeah, he, but he dropped back two places, was it? It's not that he dropped back two places, it's that he didn't 
dive bomb. Well, anybody. no, there was no terrorism. He no, he exactly. said he was going to dial down the terrorism. I believe yeah. in one of his interviews. Uh, Defcon four on the uh, terror level. Yeah, he's but... he's moved on to hearts and minds. Operation Hearts and Minds now. <laughs> Did you see his uh, his line in the press? He's like, if it was anybody except for Hamilton, I would have run them off the track. <laughs> I was like, go on, lad. He's yeah. not hiding anything. He is true to himself. His stare frightens me. But you know what? I was Good like, for I was you, like, George. You're the, in an F1 pe- car and I'm not. So Yeah, exactly. Fucking get in there. Um, Stroll had a stinker of a start. Again, he's been doing really, really good on race starts and restarts. Stroll up five. Um. So yeah, you're Albon fettled up two as well. So this thing with Stroll, I think this is what I was referencing to the other week. Stroll Ooh. has these moments, right, where he does things like this, like he'll make up five places at the start or whatever, and then I'll turn around and say, you know what, Stroll's actually not that bad of a driver. But then he'll have a complete bozo moment, like we saw in Austin, where he went into low orbit or sent Alonso into low orbit, and yeah. then you think, oh yeah, Stroll, yeah, yeah, he's so inconsistent. I mean, he balances out, man. I think he's balancing out. So yeah, anyway. <laughs> um and after the race start, like we're just watching Hamilton on the back of Max. Uh we're watching uh Russell following Perez and, and then Ferrari kind of disappear off the back of that train. Um and it's kind of a four group race at this point. We've got Red Bull and Mercedes who are racing each other on merit, albeit on different strategies. Uh, which is interesting. We've got Ferrari by themselves, completely by themselves. We've got everybody else, and then we've got Nicholas Latifi. Uh, after his first stop, he does not rejoin uh, the pack, and he finishes two laps down, so we don't need to speak of him again. He's had a terrible weekend, unfortunately, for the lad. But the front of the race is the most interesting. When There's a, there's a bunch of stuff happening in the back, and I will get back to that. The front of the race is the most interesting, though, because we're looking at this, I'm looking at this, and I'm thinking Red Bull soft, Mercedes medium. Red Bull two stop. Mercedes yeah. might have it with the one stop. And effectively, Mercedes on one step harder compound can match the Red Bull pace. They don't have a chance at overtaking or attacking them, but they can match and they can stay close. But what's what's the strategy? We don't know yet. Well, no, but I, I was the same opinion of you. As soon as I saw uh, the bullies, the bullies, that's what I'm going to call them now, the bullies, on um, the softs, I thought, oh, okay, it's going to be a medium and a soft strap. Um, but then Mercedes, uh, they came off, well, obviously Red Bull pitted first on the mediums. Out, yeah, Paris kicked that, that off yeah. on like lap like 23 or something. Um, and then when I saw the Mercedes go onto the hards, I thought, oh, they've 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 done Red Bull here because there's no way they're going to get those mediums to the end. No. And uh, what happened? They got the mediums to the end. But still, yeah, yeah, it was this was the most exciting part of the race for me, seeing how these alternative strategies sort of played out. Yeah, and yeah. at the same time, that's also what killed the race, because it turns out you probably could have put the wets on and just gone to the end of the race anyway. Yeah, like F1 manager uh, beta f1 manager strat you know yeah but it's it's weird because like here's here's my take on this though like the interesting thing is when you have a weekend like this or a sprint weekend 
Okay, sprint weekend is different because you get two races and you get to do a long stint, you know, like a, a third stint of a race on a certain tire. And you get to learn about that tire. But you remove the track time. Nobody did any meaningful running on a hard and nobody did any particularly meaningful high fuel running, in my opinion. Like they're extrapolating it. Strategists are reaching. They're, they're pooling resources. They're pooling numbers from other tracks, other races this year. Um, it leaves a lot of uncertainty. So my take is Mercedes did not have the confidence that uh, soft, medium, medium was fast. And they didn't have the confidence that they could do a soft, medium, one stop. They said, you know what? We think the Red Bull are going to go for the fast strat. Why don't we go medium hard and make it work? And there's a couple of reasons. And I'm working on a video on that on Break F1. Should have it out Wednesday on digging into the details. But we're going to give you guys a little teaser here. And we're going to talk about it. Yeah, and one of the things that you mentioned during your live live watch along, which I thought was quite interesting, is that it wasn't necessarily the degradation of the tyres that was the issue, but it was the temperature window they were in. Could you explain a bit more for idiots like me? So, yeah, I mean, typically, and it's not a linear scale, your softer tyres work at cooler temperatures, and your harder tyres... I've just had a huge brain fart because my cat's meowing outside. <laughs> so the, the softer tires can't get as hot and the harder tires basically um, need more energy to keep them working. And that's, that's one of the big things. So the harder the tire is, the slower your pace and the window might be lower. Is that or higher? Sorry, the window, sorry, the window might be higher. I've just had a huge brain fart. So the window might be higher. So for example, what we saw during the race was you even heard Max talking to his race engineer about ways to put more energy into the tires and you don't have to worry about saving the tires. You can push now to keep them working. Lewis on the hard was struggling massively. Uh, and you look at his lap times that, you know, he did have to come through traffic, but when he'd go through traffic, he'd lose a lot of performance. Um, and he just couldn't get those tires in the window to work well. Did you think that is is that related to the atmospheric conditions that we get in Mexico, or is that just a misomena? No, I mean that that the the that will impact the convection or transfer of temperature from the surface of the tire to the air. But this, the 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 overriding thing was putting enough stress in the tire to keep it going. Okay. So, do you think for next year maybe Pirelli are going to go a step softer? Possibly. But this, or do you, you know, think or, they should have? I, it was interesting. It just wasn't very good racing because Ferrari turned their car down so much and then the rest of the field were so shit. Yeah. In regards to Ferrari as well, sorry, I'm jumping about here. No, no. Did you see the en- there was a photo of the engine cover after Friday and it was all bubbling and, and paint was all peeling no. off where it was overheating? No, I didn't see that. Yeah. The cool- Some of the coolers were getting nuked. Yes, it did look very toasty. Ooh. But yeah. I just had a huge brain fart talking about tires there. It's been a long week, but yeah. the, one of the, one of the main issues with the harder compounds was keeping enough energy in them to keep the tire in the window. If you back off uh, and they talked a lot about lifting and coasting, which is at the end of the straight, you're lifting off the throttle and waiting, you know, 25, 50 meters before attacking the brake pedal that saves fuel. It's a good way to go fast for a race strategy. Unfortunately, you lose a lot of tires and brake temperature as a result of that. So um, yeah, and, and if they brought one step softer, that would have made it more interesting, but then possibly you would see nobody running the soft. 
So so it's it's like you you you, you no matter what they do, you, there's a, there's going to be a suboptimal tire. So have you looked? You probably have. I know this is you, but the stint times for Max on the medium were yeah. or every single one of his times in what thirty five laps, yeah. But all 122s yeah. apart from the VSC lap. So basically, the more laps you do on a tire, it's losing a little bit of performance. But as you do more laps, you're burning fuel. So the tire degradation was matching um, the fuel effect and um, super consistent. And the medium, he was able to keep it in the window. Uh, and Lewis was just struggling on that hard tire. You could see the inconsistency in his lap times, not an indication of him driving poorly but an indication of him trying different things to try and get the hard tire in the window. Mm. Max's fuel and tire wear were in equilibrium. Yes. Do you like that? Oh, nice big was, word there. Did you stroke the beard when you say that again? Equilibrium. It's the that, name of my new fragrance that's coming out. Oh, goodness. It smells like cigarettes and stale coffee and disappointment. <laughs> and you can buy it from Poundland this <laughs> yeah. Christmas. Oh, you're gonna get Maddie to uh, market it for you as well. Yeah, maybe. So, um, I flipped that whole thing on its head and called Will Buxton a Waitrose Matt Gallagher. Oh, I love it. I love so it. So there you go. I'm I'm working my way to get blocked by every single sort of personality and journalist on the grid. To be fair, the pre-orders for that fragrance are already coming in. I can see them coming through right now on the live stream, so that's pretty impressive. But yeah, um, so like realistically, that's kind of the crux of the race. Russell at one point was like, let me stay on these mid-jumps and I'll go to the soft at the end. But realistically, Russell's pace was not good enough, um, and he was, he was quite a f- far away behind that. It wasn't going to impact his race to, to Checo, I don't think. The longer you stay out on that medium... He was losing pace to the Red Bulls on new mediums at a decent rate. So I don't think that was going to work. And his pit wall said it wasn't going to work. And honestly, at this point, by starting on the medium, they had made their bed. That that was their race. Hmm. They, they played their hand from the race start. And that's the unfortunate thing about one stop. And they find out, you know what? It is going to be a one stop. And that's a one stop. Yeah, they not, not too around exciting. and found out. Yeah, exactly. But like people are people like I saw a lot of Merck fans calling for the heads of the strategists. And it's like, cool. Well, I, I don't think they were going to beat Red Bull on the same strategy. So maybe maybe Red Bull got their tire figures wrong and they couldn't do the one stop. I didn't even know if they planned the one stop. But you see, it was one of those fuck around and find out. And if you can get to lap 25 or so, you might be in the window. Yeah. So, so there we go. Our really super exciting strategy battle didn't really turn out so much, did it really? Yeah. No. Yeah, um, exactly. Ferrari, like you say, they were in a world of their own. Christ, yeah. well, that was that was painful for them this weekend. Tifosi, I know you're out there and you listen. Sending you thoughts and prayers. They um, were ripping into, you know, Team Carlos was ripping into Team... team Claire back and forth. It was descended into civil war. Yeah, exactly. It's like there's nobody else to be mad at. Let's be mad at each other. Fuck them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, (sighs) That result for Ferrari and Mercedes now brings Mercedes to within 40 points of P2 in the Constructors' Championship. Oh. Two races to go. Crikey. Two races to go. A 40 point gap 
Brazil and Abu Dhabi, do you see the possibility that Merck might jump Ferrari for P2? Um, anything's possible. I mean, Benato said there's no reason they can't win the last 10 races of the season a while back. Um, that was wishful thinking. And somebody, that was a paid acting job. I don't think uh, they didn't get their money's worth out of that. No. Uh, but uh, I think it's possible. I think it's unlikely, but I think it's very possible. To make the rest of this season exciting for me, I'm going to say yes. Okay. Right. I'd like to see it. But Honestly, I need, I'd like to see it. I need Mercedes to jump Ferrari to P2 without winning a race. Because oh, yeah, right, then the I'll lose the beard. So that's, that's my excitement for the next two races. Okay. Put some, put some skin in the game. Yeah. I like that. But yeah, I, I, to, to close the loop on the Mercedes thing, though, I think if they matched the strategy with Red Bull, they would have not, unless they got an overtake on track, they wouldn't have been able to overtake them. I, I just don't see it from the numbers and the single lap performance and the, what we saw of the long run performance. But yeah, um, Ferrari, no man's land. Let's get into the, some of the midfield shithousery because oh, there was a lot of it. Gorm Bennett, yeah. Right, what, what do you think of this one? Uh, Gasly dive bomb. Well, he, it wasn't really a dive bomb. He did lock up and he lost control. He went so wide that he forced Stroll off and Gasly himself could not stay on the track. So yeah. if, you're, if you're that team and you know that you've pushed a car off track and you've gone off track yourself, as a result of a misjudgment of the braking zone or a lockup, these things happen. Do you hold on to the position and wait for the penalty because it's fucking coming? Or do you uh, just hold the position and, uh, yeah, or do you get back? Yeah, so why, this... why did they not give that back? What the fuck was that? Glad you asked that. Now, I do have to go back and double check this. So people out okay. there may already know and they can shout down the radio that I'm wrong. But I think there was a car just behind Stroll that was also racing them for position. So if Gasly let Stroll pass, there was a big chance that that car was also going to jump him. Ooh. That could be wrong. It could have been a blue flagged car, uh, blue flagged car. But I thought there was a car behind him that got right up to them that was possibly going to jump him if Ooh, Gasly gave I, that back. I can't see it immediately. No, I could so... be wrong. Could be wrong. Okay. Um, but if that's the case, then I I can't. Um, sorry, if that's the case, then I completely understand why he didn't give it back. I'd just take the fucking penalty later on, rather than yeah, risk might, dropping two places. It might have been Albon, apparently, but I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, I don't remember that at all. But, but anyway, yeah. In terms of like the maneuver where he he pushed him off, uh, I decided to add to the toxicity of Twitter, and I said, "Oh, look, Gasly's taken the playbook of Max Verstappen there." That was fucking clever. You're so biased. I know. Man. How dare you? How dare you? And it banged. <laughs> but but he he got a five second penalty for that, and I think that's fair. Like it, he didn't cause any damage. He didn't DNF anyone. Uh, for example, Russell on his uh, latest attack in Austin got 10 seconds for signs, wasn't it? Or is that not the case? Uh, no. Russell got five seconds, didn't he? Ah, okay. Russell ah, okay, got okay, five good. seconds taking Carlos out in the US Grand Prix. Yeah. Sorry, is this what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and then good. Danny Rick got 10 seconds for trying to send... Ah, okay, we'll, we'll come to that one in a second. Yeah. Um, okay. So, yeah, in, sorry, it... in regards to Gasly... Uh, I think it's all it's all fair. I, I think yep. Gasly would probably be the first to say that he lost control at that point. Um, what do you think George Russell would have said? 
Oh, he would have been like, um, hang on, hang on. I haven't set up my uh, soundboard. Give it a sec. He just said, call blimey, governor. He was all up in my chuff. There you go. <laughs> um, he turned into me. Yeah, because yeah. you were going straight all the way to the outside of turn five, mate. Oh, he was right in my postcode. So, yeah. Oh, I love that. Uh, so I think I think that was fair. But Gasly I think that needs to fair. be careful now, though, doesn't he? Because two penalty points until a race ban, I believe. Yeah, I think Gasly is just Ooh. tired of the season, just wants that race ban. So yeah, it'd be a good way to sit out, and it's a good way to get you know call uh, young Liam up, get Liam some seat time. Yeah, I think Gasly needs to go uh, do some wild shit in Brazil so that he can uh, take an early off season. Yeah. But to be fair, that, that goes all the way into the start of next season, I believe. Uh, someone Those in the chat points. is telling me that his first penalty points will be gone in May 2023. So he even has to be careful at the start of next year. Mm. Mm. Let's let's talk on some next stuff. Because we've we've had a... I was happy during this race at one point when I saw Danny Rick. We're getting some peak Honey Badger back a little bit. That was a good drive from him, honestly. Very good drive. It was... So I... This isn't a dig at Danny Rick. I'll just put that at the front. Better not. Better not. I'll tag. I'll at all of his ex girlfriends on Twitter. That it. Oh, okay. Um, I won't do that. You always do this. You throw me right off. What was I saying? <laughs> yeah, this was a real Jekyll and Hyde performance from him, right? Because he absolutely bashed into Yuki, right? And people say, "Oh, well, Yuki shut the door on him." Whatever, fine. But he gets a penalty from that. And then he just sort of realizes, oh, fuck, I'm Danny Rick. Puts some softs on and just goes mental and wins driver of the day. I was just like, what is going on? It's like, yeah, mate, you need to make up 10 seconds because you've just sent Tsunoda into the shadow realm. Oh, my God. Punched a hole in the side of that car, knocked him off, and then he goes for it. And there's a video floating around of him giving the finger guns when yes, he overtakes. I, I still that, haven't yeah. freaking seen it, man. But, yeah. um. He goes on to manage clearing Ocon by 10 seconds, so he holds on to P7, I believe. Yeah, so he finished P7, got a 10-second penalty, remained P7. So good job, Danny Rick. That's that's one of your on. brighter performances recently, bless him. Go on, lad. Um, but was this, yeah. again, so this strong performance one from him, right, and I'm going to get the old tin foil out, everyone, get ready. Go on. Did he get a strong performance out of this because he overrode the strategy and said, no, I'm doing medium soft? Because in the past, and I can't verify this, I've been told this by Daniel Ricardo stands, so who knows how accurate this is. But a lot of the time, apparently, Danny Rick will ask for a different strategy and get denied. Yeah. Maybe, maybe he... Did he feel in control again? Channeling his inner... Carlos Sainz or um, George Russell? Well, maybe oh, he, he just said... He, he, he definitely channeled some George Russell energy in that one, Jesus. Yeah, maybe he just said, well, I'm out at the end of the season. I'm just not going to fucking come in and I'm just going to do my own strategy. But yeah. Yeah, fine. Yeah, fine. Um, so whatever, fine. It worked for him. Um, yeah. What else you got? So around lap 52... Alonzo starts giving it all the beans and you could tell he's leaving. He's leaving that team at the end of the season, but he's not happy because his engine is bleeding performance. He goes from being on pace with the Ferraris to getting devoured 
by the rest of the midfield. I mean, he's 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 over 25 seconds behind the Ferraris, but he's matching him in pace. He's not doing too badly, honestly. Um, and then his engine starts dying. And then he's coming into, I believe it's turn one. And the thing grenades itself, and he's so unhappy. I reckon he was so pissed off that it was shitting itself that he just pulled the clutch and revved it to shit. Yes, I, I also like this theory that he's um absolutely gone mental with it. Um, But I, I was thinking, again, me thinking is a dangerous combination. But I was thinking, is Ferrari's strategic fuck-up um, throughout the year and ongoing issues covering up for the fact that Alpine have got an absolute dog of a car in terms of reliability this year? I mean, if we weren't talking about Ferrari, we'd be talking about Alpine for sure. Yeah, 100%. That's, that, that's that's my theory. Mm. No, it's it's not fun. But uh, uh the um, Alonso and I'm Hamilton. Sorry, I'm sorry to say that all the way uh, for all four Alpine fans out there. Oof. No, but it's it's it. I think everybody knows that, and it's it's the the Renault's not a particularly reliable engine. It's not. It's just a fucking fact. It's not like that slander. Never, never has been. No, right, but at least it's fast now. It's fast but unreliable. Before oh. it was shit but unreliable. Progress, woo! Exactly, exactly. But um, yeah. What about all the Alonzo? Well, I don't want to get into it too deep, but Alonzo and uh, Hamilton giving each other shit all week, and that's getting super petty. But the social media war. Um, that was twenty twenty two. I just enjoyed it. I thought it was quite funny. Um. I think Alonso enjoys taking little digs at Hamilton and this time yeah, he yeah. got a response in terms of a thumbs up, which I thought was brilliant from Lewis. Yeah. Um, Fucking get in there, Lewis. Yeah. Clap, I just, he clapped back. Yeah. I just, clap I just back think well. it's funny between them. Yeah. Um, yeah. But Al- someone, Alonso seems very petty, doesn't he? he? He's He has got a chip on his shoulder. He doesn't need to be because Alonso is a good driver. Yeah. Even now... When he's older, or more elderly, shall we say, Alonso is a far better driver now than, let's say, I don't know, Kimi Raikkonen was in his last two years. Yeah. Kimi retired two years too late, in my opinion. Mm. Whereas Alonso, I've not seen anything from him that would say, actually, Alonso, you've been here too long. No. Uh, But he is getting beat by Arcon this season. Because Alonso's car keeps exploding. Every... Don't, I don't make up. Don't bring in the facts to this discussion. My feelings can't take it. Listen, I'm not. I'm not saying it's conspiracy theory or whatever. It's just facts. Alonso's car has been far more unreliable than Ocon's. So I'm not going to argue with that. I just wanted to say that to stir the pot. Yeah, well, you're a wanker. So, <laughs> oh, what else we got in the race? Um, Latifi two laps behind. I don't want to say anything else about that. Aston and Haas looked Haas? completely nowhere this weekend. Just like fucking nowhere. And I don't even want to go on about it because I feel bad for them, honestly. But they're so inconsistent in terms of performance and it sucks to see it because I would like to see more teams establishing the pecking order and chasing each other instead of being flip-flop every freaking weekend. I even put a graphic on Twitter of their uh, qualifying performances all season. And it's just like, what what's going on? There's some fundamental issues that they have not come to grips with that car or the operation of that car. Mm, yeah. Rough. Rough yeah. for them. Then Russell, uh, oh, Bottas converts a P6 in qualifying to a P10 result. 
um, strong single lap pace, but uh, just really couldn't hang on to that. Really no, pretty. he couldn't. No, no. Um, That's all right. I mean, I th it looks like he went super long in his first stint, um, and then just got it. Just didn't work out. Uh, I I don't know what else I would have done differently because if he had gone short on that, he would have been stuck in a gaggle of cars going the same length as he had before. So a bit unlucky, but not enough pace to break out of that uh, vicious cycle of getting stuck in the uh, death traps there. No, and we forgot, I think I forgot to say about this earlier, um, but Bottas out-qualifying Charles Leclerc. Oh, he split the Ferraris, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. Boom. Bang. Bottas is back, Mr. Saturday. The original. Yeah. Go on, lad. Go on. Yeah, that was pretty good. Um, Russell pops in the blimey fastest purple monster at the end. Yep, he does. Yep. After he'd been asking to go onto softs for ages, and they're like, "All right, now at the end, lad, go yeah. on." He was like, "Oh, he's tall. I've got a puncture. Honest, governor." Oh, he was milking that. He's like, yeah. "Please have a puncture. Please have a puncture." I just drove through. He did. This fucker deliberately drove through the debris that he found on the track just to get off of those shit hards. Yeah, and and then eventually he got his wish. Um, to pop on some softs for the fastest yeah. lap at the end. Go on, lad. Such was the gap between uh, him and Signs, I believe, that yeah, he could do yeah. that with no punishment. So, yeah, I mean, um, but if he had, if they had had a shit stop, he would have been eaten up by Signs. Well, speaking of shit stops, we did have a shit stop this week, didn't we? Uh, Checo, Ooh. poor old Checo Perez. Oh uh, yeah, that... what, was it front left? I can't remember front left or front right. Yeah, that didn't really. I say a shit I stop. I think it was five seconds, but that is shit when you yeah. when it comes to Red Bull. I mean, he, at that rate, he would have still fallen behind uh, Leclerc. But you know, that's if he had had a better stop, he would have actually ended up ahead of Hamilton when Hamilton stopped. Mm. That's that's how that went basically. Uh, yeah. McLaren set a record for the season. 1.9 second stop on the 18-inch uh, bad boys. Yes, they did. A 1.98, I'll have you know. Oof, oof. Go on, lads. Passes of the season. Uh, I think Jonathan Wheatley's like, we got to take that, boys. Yeah, so, yeah. Oh, he won't be happy. He will not no. be happy about that. Red Bull have been spectacular pit stops, but it's cool seeing McLaren smashing some competition. Getting right up there. Go on, lad. Um, Let's wrap it up. So, the... Like, I don't really care about the results of this race. It was interesting-ish. It was just like one of the... I just got blue-balled the whole race. I'm like, is it a one-stop or not? And then as soon as it was clear it was a one-stop, I'm just like... <sighs> Great, yeah. I'm glad it's over. But, I, I fed some of the delusion on Twitter as well by saying that good. this is definitely going to be... Red Bull definitely going to have to pit again. Yeah, and, yeah. Got and, and then they didn't. So yet again, I look like a fucking idiot on social media. It's fine. But I advertise the fact that I am, so if you believe me, that's your own fucking fault. Yeah, you dumbasses. <laughs> Shitbags. But um, Max Verstappen sets a couple records. What does he set? What records does he smash out of the park, Blake? So, seven Michaels, 13 wins in a season. He surpassed it on to 14, uh, and he has scored the most points in a season. But I do believe he will be the first to say that Boom. It's not it's not as difficult as it used to be because there's a lot more races. It's not. But, but like, you know, if you, if you cut cut out the first part of the season, you know, the first couple of races and say, right, there's a season starting at race four or five. It's pretty impressive still. It's not unimpressive at all. No. If you look at his 14 wins up till now and you work out the percentage, I think it equals 
or is very, very close in terms of percentages to Michael's 13 in the season that okay. he did it in. So if you look at it that way, I think they're very close. Yeah, I think he's going to do it. He's going to get another win this season. Has to. Yeah. There's two, there's two chances, and both those tracks will go well for the Red Bulls. Like, none of the tracks go badly for the Red Bulls right now. No, that's true. Very true. Well, I think... I think that was the race, really, wasn't it, really? Everyone was shit apart from Red Bull and Mercedes. Yeah. And Mercedes were let down, possibly, by strategy. So, uh, GG's. That was the Mexico Grand Prix. Um, yeah, If on. you fell asleep during it, I, I don't really blame you. I think the only thing that kept me going was the possible strategy. Yeah, uh, that was the only thing. But I will say this. I'm going to do a little plug here. Oh, watching here here watching the stream with you. You were there, too, you fucker. Watching the stream live on Twitch with everybody is actually a lot of fun hanging out and talking. Me, me I have a, I get a lot of enjoyment of talking about the race and what's going on with you guys and looking at the uh, the timing, having the conversations, you know, trying to listen to a couple different drivers, radio messages, um, and try to take some context and put like frame what's happening in the race because some of the messages are a little bit cryptic sometimes, but um, that's super fun. So if you're into that every Saturday and Sunday before qualifying and before the race, twitch.tv front slash break with three hours and uh we have a blast everybody in the chat saying they had a great time everything and is more fun with friends oh yeah Including especially uh, camping at le mans yeah <laughs> with with dr marco <laughs> oh i love it right is it that time hit it Thank you, Michael Kiss. That is so fucking beautiful. Yeah. So, Dan, this is the part of the show where you and I both nominate somebody for Fraud Watch. And uh, let's, uh, yeah, let's, we, let's get we into pick it. a bad thing, bad, bad thing from the week. And if you're in the stream, I want to see your nominations for Fraud Watch as well. Mm. Uh, and if you're on YouTube watching this, I want to see your nominations. And if you're listening to this on a uh podcast platform like spotify or apple music go ahead and leave us a review and hit that five star right now yeah and if you're listening to this on the car on the way to work just wind your window down and just shout it out to someone as you drive past yeah them. yeah right now yeah they all they all, all know right. they all listen they'll, they'll understand yeah. they'll be like oh that's his nomination for fraud watch I, I will say this when i was in austin i got to talk to a bunch of homies and the number of people that i've known or I don't know, and they know of the podcast in the paddock who came up to me. He's like, dude, I love your podcast with Dan. I was like, it's nice to meet you. Hey, I'm Blake. Nice to meet you. I was like, I was fucking blown away. There was, you know, it wasn't like hundreds, but it was, there was probably five to 10 people over the weekend. They're like, love your podcast, dude. People that I know. There are literally I didn't know. dozens of us. Yeah. There are literally 10 12 to 12 people that listen to this podcast. Wow. It's opening doors. Listen, next year we'll be on the grid. Uh, Lamar. Fraudcast. So, who's on Fraud Watch? Yeah, so Fraud Watch, right? So, technically, right, my first Fraud Watch is like my unofficial Fraud Watch, and that's Ah. me for forgetting to do this for the last two weeks running. Um, But I was ill and I was high on cold and flu medication. And we did have some very, very excellent guests as well. So, that's that's my excuse. I'm sticking to it. my actual uh, fraud watch is Christian Horner for putting on s- spectacled glasses during his Coscap conference. Oh, he needed that, that IQ boost. Right. Listen, I have worked at Red Bull for six years. I've never seen him wear glasses once. Not Me? once. 
Are you being ageist, bro? No, I've just never seen him wear glasses. Me neither. I, I don't, Me I don't neither. think this is a real thing. I think this is a this is fake spectacles to make him seem smart and and <laughs> trust we've, we've trustable. We've talked to our study groups, and yep. they say that spectacles are plus two points in likability. And um, I'm not going to say it. Never mind. Yeah. So anyway, anyway. one thousand IQ glasses that I've never ever seen him wear before. Fraud watch, Christian. I'm on to you. Go on, lad. Go on, lad. Fair enough. Um, so my my fraud of the week, my fraud watch has something to do with Ted Kravitz. You know, he's been making some weird. Oh, this could go either way. He he's been making some weird accusations and and towing some interesting lines. But you're allowed to have an opinion. And anybody sending Ted Kravitz shit messages on social media because you don't agree with him, you're a fucking dork. Get a life. Seriously. Anybody that's harassing people on Twitter or social media because they don't like your take on something, fuck yourself, man. Seriously. Touch grass. But, um, Ted, you're crazy. I don't agree with you all the time, but nobody deserves that no matter what. So, If everybody agreed with each other, it would be boring. Yeah, but... You don't have to be a cunt either. No, so that's us out. Yeah. Oh, shit, I am a cunt. Anyway, um, we don't have what we don't have an engine mode good boy sound yet. I think Michael's working on, but Michael got us this this week. This was good. So I told the story earlier. So uh, Michael, who did you know our intro, and he did all that. Um, he was like, I was looking at your uh, data analysis thing on Buy Me a Coffee, and I. Uh, I got this phone call from my credit card, and it goes something like this. Fraud alert, break F1 analysis. Suspicious activity. <laughs> that's us, baby. Uh, so, I mean, that's that's pretty, that's actually hilarious and entirely on brand. Uh, but this is the engine mode good boy, where we nominate somebody for doing a great job, someone or something for doing a great job this weekend. Yeah. Go on, lad. Yeah. My engine mode good boy. Uh, I'm going to give it to the McLaren pit stop crew for that first sub two second pit stop of the year at one one point nine eight seconds. Well done, lads. Well done. Very good. Very excellent. Uh, that's awesome. That's going to be a tough one to beat this season. What's the second fastest? It's close to two. Uh, you know what? I don't even know. Well, we'll we'll have to look at it. And we'll touch back on this next week. So, uh, yeah, I I've got um no I was going to say so I was going to give. Russell, my fraud watch, honestly, because he didn't terrorize anyone this week. But I, I've already done my fraud watch, and that's any people being assholes. Uh, my engine mode good boy this week is Ricky Bobby. I like seeing him smile, man. I miss, yeah. I miss Honey Badger. I'm, I hate to see that he's not in a car next season. He's had a tough season. Um, but, <sighs> yeah, man. He's being touted for a reserve role, though, isn't he? Somewhere, yeah, maybe. but that's... That's just not any fun. That's no, basically sitting in. That's that's you end up in a paddock and you end up doing some sim work, probably. I mean, I'd, I'd fucking do it. I'd fucking do it. I mean, to be to be fair, Alex, when he took a year out and was doing sim work, um, he's just a fucking good kid, though. I've got so much time for Albon. I actually saw him in the hotel in uh Austin. That was really nice. Oh, and I was like, yeah. who's who's this? Did he recognize who you were? Of course he did. Uh, I see, I'm just checking, him. just checking. I worked with him like probably 30 weeks last year, so I better remember me, the dork. But yeah, he's a super nice dude, and uh, he, he, he's he got good work ethic and uh, a good mental game. 
for having a tough time. He kept his head on his shoulders. He's got a great drive. Alex is Alex is true tough, that true that. Uh, someone so, um, else in the chat has given their nomination. And I'm going to shout it out because it is also a very good one, and that's uh, Papa Perez and Anthony Helton. Yo, their little romance like, they had going on this weekend. <laughs> Anthony's like, please don't kiss me again. Please don't kiss me again. <laughs> yeah, that that was uh, nice. Yeah, I'm I'm a big fan. So um. Are we gonna are we gonna wrap this one up tidy like an hour and twenty seven episode? Not bad, hey? Yeah, I think that I think that's on 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 limit for us, isn't it? Did we normally yeah. say one hour thirty? Yeah, it's the limit. Uh, I'm recording another pod after this, and I'll put that on Twitter. So if anybody's not following Break on Twitter mm. or Engine Mode Eleven on Twitter, um, that's a good way to keep in touch with us. Anytime anything exciting's happening, uh, we'll put it there. Yeah, and as part of the um, Red Bull agreed breach agreement we have to cut down our podcast by 10 percent for 12 months anyway so yeah yeah and uh, by doing that i'm just gonna we'll reduce next week's stream by 10 percent. so we'll be still like an hour 15 it's fine you guys will get all the fraudulent content that you want so uh can you guys do me a favor and uh go fuck yourselves no, i'm just kidding have a great night fuck off anyway that's the episode. Boom. Today with Amazon Business, Shannon Stuckey of Walburn Woodworking helped her team buy 63 circular saws. Okay, Andy, take it easy. Now she uses her time to focus on growing something big. Buy smarter, dream bigger. Visit Amazon Business, your partner for smart business buying. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.